We thank the Lord for our time together. Before we start, I'd like to give a special welcome to daughter Crystal and her friend Sue from Massachusetts. I understand that there's also a group in Massachusetts and Mansfield who are tuning into our worship this morning. Now, they're Red Sox fans, but we can arrange for a special indulgence later. But welcome, Mansfield folks. Good to have you. The scripture reading for today, we have two texts. The first one Too many papers this morning. The first one is uh, Matthew 21, or Matthew chapter 2, 1, that's 21, beginning at the first verse. That's on page 981 in your pew Bibles. And also, if you want to put a marker in Luke chapter 19, and that's page 1044. I'll give the, the specific reference as we get there. So we hear the word of the Lord from Matthew chapter 21. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethphage, to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord needs them, and he will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put on them their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road and the crowds that went before him and that followed him were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth, of Galilee. Then we also have in Luke chapter 19, beginning at verse 41. And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will not leave one stone upon another 
in you because you did not know the time of your visitation. This is the word of the Lord. Can you complete the following statement? Everybody loves a... Wow. Starts with a P. Thank you, Gordon. Is everybody awake this morning? Everybody loves a parade. Uh, if you're a Jeopardy fan, you might recall that a couple days ago, one of the categories that people were to think about was this. I love a parade. And certainly as we think of the great parades of our country, the Rose Bowl on the West Coast, and the so-called ticker tape parades here on the East, it's evident that a lot of people just love a parade. The ticker tape parades, I'm told, started back in 1882 when the Statue of Liberty made its debut. And since that time, we've had athletes, astronauts, and adventurers being honored by, being showered upon with all this paper. Everybody loves a parade. In today's text, we have a very special parade, one that is perhaps, not perhaps, but certainly the most significant parade of all times. Its significance is seen partly in that all four Gospels record the event of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem each gospel writer giving some different details. So it's a very, very significant event. As we enter into what we Christians call Holy Week, the week in which we remember Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, the institution of what we know as the Lord's Supper, Jesus' agony and prayer in the garden, his capture, his trial, his condemnation, his death and burial. And yes, thank God for the glorious news that he is risen. The Lord is risen indeed. But today we want to take a look at that Palm Sunday parade that happened so many years ago. We want to take a look at that parade under three headings. The preparation for it, the actual procession, and then a very significant prediction made by the Lord. First of all, the preparation. The Lord was behind the scene to make it sure that there was a great crowd. The people had thronged into Jerusalem at that time to celebrate the Passover, commemorating how God had delivered them from slavery in Egypt. And historians tell us that at that Passover, the population of Jerusalem would be five times greater than usual. So on this particular day, there could have been 2.5 
million people in Jerusalem. How many of you have ever had the privilege of being in Jerusalem? And we have a couple. Remember how crowded it was? Imagine five times that crowd. Well, that's how the Lord put that together. It was a special day of celebration. It was the 10th of Nissan. No, that's not a Japanese car. <laughs> that is a very sacred month in the Jewish calendar. And on the 10th day of Nissan, this was Lamb Selection Day. When the faithful would choose the lambs they would use for their Passover celebration. And isn't it significant that on this Lamb Selection Day, the Lamb of God came into Jerusalem? The Lord has a way of arranging things. But even more immediately, Jesus made a preparation for his disciples. At least three times before this, Jesus had told them, Behold, we are going to Jerusalem, and there the Son of Man will be delivered to the chief priests and scribes. They will condemn him and hand him over to the Gentiles to be flogged and mocked and crucified and be raised on the third day. These words are recorded three times before the actual Palm Sunday parade. But we read something very interesting. We read that the disciples did not understand any of this until Jesus was glorified. For some reason, their minds were foggy, clouded over, until the entire event of our rescue from sin was complete. Another immediate preparation was a very strange command when we read that Jesus commanded two of his disciples to go into the village opposite them, and there they would find a donkey tied and a colt wither. Bring them, untie them, and bring them to me. Now, that sounds a little bit like donkey theft, but it was Jesus who gave the command. As strange as the command was, we don't read any objection on the part of his disciples. I think over the years when the disciples were with Jesus, they learned a lesson. No matter how weird, no matter how illogical, no matter how difficult is what Jesus commands, just do it. You might recall at the feeding of the 5,000, after Jesus had preached to this throng of people, he said to his disciples, okay, now it's time for lunch. You give them something to eat. And I'm sure the disciples stood there scratching their heads and said, how's this going to happen? We don't have enough money. We don't have enough provision. Jesus said, well, what do you got? And Andrew, the disciple, said, well, there's a little guy here. He's got five loaves of bread and two fish. But what is that 
among so many. If I can paraphrase Jesus, he said, never mind. Have them sit down and you distribute. So the Lord gave thanks. They were all fed and had 12 baskets of leftovers. I wonder what they did with them, but that's beside the point. The disciples did as Jesus commanded them. So on this day, they went to the village called Bethphage. If you go to Israel today, you can't go to Bethphage because it's no longer there. The name of the town means house of unripe figs. I say, no wonder it's disappeared. Can you imagine somebody, where are you from? Oh, I'm from the house of unripe figs. Doesn't sound too good. At any rate, the disciples did as Jesus commanded them. And even when the owners objected, Jesus had told his disciples, if anybody says anything, just say, the Lord has need of it. And that'll take care of it. So they did, as Jesus told them. And maybe here in this preparation for the Palm Sunday parade, there's a reminder to you and to me. When Jesus says something, don't question, just do it. Oh, there are times when we want to do things our own way. Even when Jesus says, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. And don't we sometimes say, well, Lord, that's very nice, but you don't know the troubles of my heart. You don't know how I have to struggle, how I have to take care of it. No thanks. And then we see what happens. The help that we could have had, we refused. Or Jesus speaks, forgive those who have sinned against you. And we say, well, Lord, that sounds very nice, but if you only knew how that person has hurt me, I can't let it go, and he's going to pay, or she's going to pay. And again, not listening to Jesus, our lives have a tendency to fall apart. When Jesus speaks, we say, yes, Lord. Even if it sounds strange, even if it sounds like something I can't do. But St. Paul says what? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So the preparation was made. The donkey was brought. The cloaks were placed on the donkey in the colt because the disciples did not know which beast Jesus was going to ride on. So he chose the colt. And so the parade began. Now let's look at the procession. Jesus came from Jericho, which is about 1,300 feet below sea level, and in a journey of about five miles, he was about 24 feet above sea level. I've been on that road in a tour bus, and I was sure that the gears were going to fall out of it. The strain, it's a tough road. But Jesus started his Palm Sunday parade, and there was a crowd behind him and also a crowd in front of him who had come from Jerusalem, who heard that Jesus was on the way. 
and the parade began. And the crowd began to do some things which is typical of a parade. They honored the one who was coming by taking off their outer garments and placing them on the road as kind of a red carpet treatment. And they also cut branches off the trees and waved them in a way to say, Lord, we love you, we honor you. And then they used the word which so easily escapes our understanding. It's the first word that we used as we sang this morning, the word Hosanna. Now, for a few moments, a Hebrew lesson. Now, don't fall asleep. Hosanna is an imperative. It's a command word. Hoshia, it's a command, save, help. And then the na at the end is called a particle. It's a little word for emphasis. If you understand German, it's like the word doch. We say help or hilf doch. It emphasizes the need for the help that we so desperately need. So help, we pray, or save us now. And this is the cry that came out from the crowd that went before Jesus and the crowd that followed him. But we say, what happened later? The shouts of Hosanna on Good Friday made an awful change, didn't it? No longer save us, we pray, but crucify him, crucify him. What went wrong? It seems that what went wrong was what the crowd was looking for when it said, Hosanna. Save us, we pray. Help us, we pray. Remember, the Passover was a celebration of God's deliverance of his people from Egypt. And all through the years since then, this cry of Hosanna was said again and again. And now on this day, what were the people looking to be saved from? Well, all around them, they saw Roman centurions and soldiers. They were oppressed by the Roman Empire. And for many people, Hosanna, help us, save us, meant deliver us from this political mess that we're in. And they saw in Jesus a pretty good candidate. Anyone who could feed 5,000 people with no provisions, that's better than food stamps. Anybody who can heal with a word, much better than Medicare, Medicaid, you name it. So they looked to Jesus as being their political savior, and when he so sorely disappointed them, when he did not become a conquering military hero, many of the people said, that's not the savior we want. They were disappointed. That was the procession. Now at the end of the procession, a very sad thing happened. 
We usually think of a parade as a time of celebration, a time for laughter, a time, a good time. But we read in Luke's gospel that as Jesus approached the city, what did he do? He wept. He cried over it. And he said, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if only you knew the day of your visitation, the day when God answered your Hosanna in God's way, but you refused. And therefore, judgment will come upon you, which happened in 70 AD, when the city, the temple, Jerusalem, completely destroyed. Now, there's an interesting fulfillment of this incident of Jesus weeping over the city and pronouncing judgment over it. We're not going to go into the weeds this morning in a very interesting but challenging chapter of Scripture. It's Daniel chapter 9, where Daniel gives, gives a, a vision. He receives a vision and he proclaims it to his people. After 70 years of exile, somebody was going to make a proclamation for the restoration of the city of God, Jerusalem. And this prediction would be made by a king. And after a, a period of 483 years, somebody would make an appearance known as the prince or as the savior. And on that day, people would see him, but also very soon, this Messiah would be killed. Now, some years ago, there was a scholar named Sir Robert Anderson. He was a former criminal investigator with Scotland Yard, but he had this interest in theology, and he looked at Daniel chapter 9, and he kind of figured out his math was much better than mine, and he figured out that 483 years after this proclamation by King Artaxerxes, this Messiah would appear. It would be a period of 173,880 days. Now, this prediction was made in 445 BC. And doing the math, this scholar came up with the date when the fulfillment should happen, it, it so happened it was the 10th day of Nisan in 32 AD, exactly the day of the Palm Sunday parade. When God predicts something, we can count on it coming true. That was a kind of a sad prediction that Jesus made that day for the judgment to fall on those who refuse God's offer of salvation, of being saved. Where do you and I fit into this parade? It's not only the person who rode into Jerusalem, Jesus, whom we honor, but the fact is that God honors you and me.
God so loved the world. And you and I can place our names in place of the word world. And for those who cry out to God, Hosanna, save, O Lord, rescue us, O Lord, in the way that God would have us shout out that plea. It's being saved not politically, but spiritually. The word Jesus has the same root as the word Hosanna. Remember when the angel announced to Joseph that Mary would be the mother of this child. He said, you shall name him Jesus because he will save his people from their, what? From their sins. The sins that you and I know that we're guilty of. The sins that you and I know that unless they were taken care of, we would have nothing in the future but a sure judgment to be eternally separated from God. But, however, God heard the cries of Hosanna. And at the end of the parade of our life, at the end of the parade of this world's history, those who say, yes, I recognize that I have sinned. I recognize that I have disappointed God, my family, my friends, I recognize that I need forgiveness. And I thank God that he has heard my cry of Hosanna by sending Jesus, not only to ride to Jerusalem, but to go to Mount Calvary and there to suffer in our place the agonizing death that you and I deserved. At the end of that parade, we have a scene which those who believe in Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord will be a part of this celebration. It's in Revelation chapter 9. Please listen. After this, I beheld a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from every tribe and peoples and languages, standing before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hand and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. May God continue to bless us as we continue our journey until that day when with all who believe and have received Christ as Savior, will be safe in the arms of God forever. Hosanna to the Son of David. Hosanna in the highest. Amen. We pray. Heavenly Father, we give you our thanks and our praise for your faithful deliverance, for your faithful sacrifice, Lord Jesus for your faithful bringing us into the faith, Holy Spirit. Hosanna, help us, Lord, to remain faithful even unto death and receive from you the crown of life. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.